Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to share with you a little bit tonight uh, from the Word of God. Uh, You've got my little time thing up here, so... uh, keep me under wraps, but um, just a word of encouragement to you. And um, if you'll open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll be looking at a portion of scripture there. Some time ago, I had a, went and purchased a car and uh, was blessed to have this car. And, um, but uh, I was driving down the road uh, toward a busy intersection. I only had the car for about a week or so. And, you know, when you got a brand new car, you got the kind of new car smell in it and everything. And, you know, you're all glad that you have the car. You know, this car has leather seats and, you know, has, you know, the Bose stereo system in it. So I'm just bumping along kind of, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good. I got my shades on. This was a couple of summers ago. I'm I'm looking cool and everything. And and, uh, just about, and and some of you, if you've been to Colorado Springs, that intersection at Union and Austin Bluffs, (laughs) I'm heading toward that. Uh, going westbound and uh, one of the most busiest intersections in town and the transmission goes out in the car. Just got it. And I'm just driving along and it's hard to look cool when your transmission's out. And you're just kind of, yeah. All right. I know it's out, but I meant it to happen. You know, you have that look on your face. You know, you're trying to play it off and people are zipping around you and stuff. And, you know, the stereo's going, the seats are still leather and all of that. The windows are tinted, but you're not going anywhere. You're broke down. Amen. An embarrassing moment, but uh, that's just one of many in my life. But uh, what I want to talk to you about tonight is sometimes in our journey in life, we come to that point where we are broke down. We've got the leather seats. We, everything ought to be working in our life, Lord, but nothing's really coming together. And we, we feel like we have just are experiencing a time of breakdown. And what we need in that hour is a breakthrough. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is that if you feel like you are alongside of the road and, and you sort of broke down, that God is here, he is with you, he has not abandoned you, and he will give you and deliver to you a breakthrough. You believe that? And I believe we find within our text tonight, verses 1 to 7 in 2 Kings chapter 4, a, a, a woman in a situation on the very verge of a breakdown. And yet we find that God delivers her and she experiences a breakthrough. The Bible says, if you'll read along with me, that a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, From all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons 
who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. I want to talk to you about a breakthrough in the midst of a breakdown. A breakthrough in the midst of a breakdown. Regardless of how much scripture you know, regardless of of where you are in your Christian journey, there are times in our lives where even though we know all these things, we still feel like we're on the verge of a breakdown. And we find within this this uh, woman's life and her example an, an analogy, il- illustration of, of the, the, the faithfulness of God to bring us through sometimes that are so devastating in our lives. And I, and I hope that you will, you will glean these things and that you will apply them in your own life because they have helped me in my time of desperation when I'm on the verge of a breakdown. And I feel like, Lord, I can't make it from here. And there are lessons here for us in her life that I think are applicable to us in our day and time. Here we find a woman, and the Bible says that she's the wife of a a school of ministry student. Amen. And um, uh, he was uh, one of the prophets who was in this this school of of prophets. But now she's widowed, and and she's severely in debt. It kind of reminds me of the old temptation song that, uh, uh, I mean, she's really left here without anything. And the old temptation song, Papa was a rolling stone. Some of you baby boomers help me out. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. And when he died, all he left us was alone. Amen. And here she was completely and totally alone by herself. And when he died, all he left her was alone alone her her deceased husband has gone on one of the school of uh, students in the school of the prophets is probably a farmer many uh, uh, scholars believe that he could have been a farmer small landowner uh, uh, and because of the fragile environment that uh, these guys would farm in in the near east that uh, there would be times or many times they would be in debt and so they would have to sell their goods or or their, their property sometimes even their family and here she is in debt her husband is is deceased he's gone on and she's the creditors are coming she's wondering how in the world am i going to get through this time a tremendous amount of pressure in her life at this point even though she understands that in the israelite law according to leviticus chapter 25 verses 39 to 43 that provisions were made for people in situations like this the Bible said, tells us there in Leviticus 25, verses 39 to 43, that in such a situation that a person could lend themselves out as labor service to a creditor when they couldn't pay the debt. You know, they couldn't run down and get a loan from HFC or some other place. They, they had to give their service to that person if they owed them money and couldn't pay them back. And she knew that there was a law, a stipulation in Leviticus 25 that said you could do that and you could work for that person, but for a limited amount of time for six years. And then in the seventh year, which was Jubilee, you were set free. The slave or the, 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 the person providing the labor was set free and you could, you, you, you know, your debt was completely forgiven. Now she knows about this, I'm sure. Uh, you know, she's, a, she's a, uh, uh, probably heard about this law, but it brings her no comfort. And I can only suspect 
because she's a mother and mothers you can relate to this and and even any parent can relate to it it's one thing to see you you suffer when you go through a trial but it's a whole another thing to watch your children go through something and so even though she knows that well it's only for six years and and they'll be released and the year of jubilee and all that she it still breaks her heart that her sons are going to be taken away from her into slavery and then of course maybe the the person the creditor wasn't very uh, keen to following the word of god so who knows what the situation was exactly the bible doesn't comment on it but she's in great agony now try to get into her her mind for a moment sometimes we read these bible verses and we go wow that's an interesting story <laughs> but when we look a little bit deeper because here we're talking about a woman who is just like you and i She's going through a very difficult time. And you can imagine what she's wondering. She's probably thinking, where is God in all of this? Have you ever been there? I have. No matter how much scripture you know, no matter how long you've been a believer, there are those times that come upon us where we go, where is the Lord in all of this? Imagine her, her mind, her thought process. She probably thought, my, my husband has served the Lord all this time. He was a Bible college student. I mean, he was involved in, in the school of ministry, and he was answering the call of God. I've been the submissive wife. All these years I've submitted, I've followed him, and, and as he was following the Lord, why would God bring us to this place? She's a woman, I believe, on the verge of a breakdown. Nothing is adding up. And I know many of you have probably asked that question of the Lord. I know I have. And I believe David even asked the question, and I think he came to this conclusion. Psalm 119, verse 71, David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I may learn your statutes. It's really all about where our trust lies in times of great trouble and trials. It's only speculation, but possibly up to this point, this woman probably enjoyed a convenient faith. A faith that was, you know, based not so much upon God, but upon her husband. You see, she was following him as he was serving the Lord. And now the bottom has fallen out. Now, what is she going to do? When the bottom falls out, it always reveals to us what type of faith we really have. The bottom has fallen out for her. She's all alone. She's got two kids to raise. She's a single mom now. And she's on the verge of a nervous breakdown. God, where are you in all of this? But I'm so glad and here to report to you tonight that when we're on the verge of a breakdown, God on our behalf is planning a breakthrough. When the bottom falls out, isn't it good to know that his everlasting arms are underneath you to hold you? To catch us every time. We don't have to worry. God will be faithful to us. But she can't see this. Sometimes you're so much in the mess that you, you can't see you know, the truth. So she cries out to Elisha. Now, how, does she, how is she able to experience a breakthrough while on the verge of this breakdown? Well, I think there are three ways. Number one, through faith. Brokenness. Number two, 
and intimacy. You know, I like to call it the FBI of spiritual breakthrough. Amen. Lord, this is what it takes for us to make it through those times of great tragedy or stress in our lives. Faith, brokenness, and intimacy. Why do I say faith? Well, verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, so Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing. You might want to highlight that word in your Bible. She says, I have nothing. And then she corrects herself and says, in the, in the house, but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. Why do I say faith? In those times when we're on the verge of breakdown, you know, it, it, we really have to begin with faith. The, 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 the prophet, the man of God, Elijah, draws her, the woman's attention back to what she already possesses. Are you with me? Already in her life, she already possesses the very thing that she needs. He asked her the question, what do you have in your house? Isn't that what the Lord always asks us when we're going through a difficult time? I don't know about you, but I'm always wondering about what other people have in their house. Amen. I'm knocking on somebody else's door. Hey, man, I need some help. But God always asks me, he doesn't ask me, what does Norma have in her house? Or what does Bob have in his house? Or, or Mary has in her house? But Al, what do you have in your house? Because I've already placed within you what you need. What do you have in your house? You see, unbelief had her walking back and forth every day past that jar of oil. And she'd cry out, Lord, you've got to help me. You've got to do something, God, right now. Walk right past the jar of oil. God, you've got to deliver me, Lord. I don't know what we're going to do. Walk right past the jar of oil. Oh, God, won't you do something? Show me a sign. Walk right past the jar of oil. Unbelief will keep you walking back and forth past the very thing that is able to help you. The first step toward breakthrough is a step of faith. It's always faith. What kind of faith? Well, faith to believe that God has already supplied us with the necessary power to experience his deliverance. Remember in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, there uh, God is commissioning Moses to go back and speak to Pharaoh. And, uh, you know, Moses is coming up with a lot of excuses why he can't. One of the main excuses was, you know, who am I? What am I going to go say to Pharaoh? And then what am I, how am I going to prove to him that, Lord, you have called me? What did God say to, to, to Moses? He said, what is that in your hand? Walking around with, oh, it's just an old stick. Oh, it's just an old jar of oil. And God wants to use the very thing. But the key is that, that very thing. But the key is that we have to submit it first to him. It's like the fishes and the loaves. Unless God blesses it, it cannot bless others. What do you have, Moses, in your hand? God is saying to you tonight, what do you have within yourself? 
that have already placed it, that you've been walking back and forth and you and unbelief has caused you to not see the very thing that God has already placed in your life for your deliverance. Sometimes husbands and wives will do that. You know, I've learned over the years, guys, that my wife is an asset to me. And where I'm weak and I fall short, she shores me up. She's a strength for me. And if you're, you know, if you've been married for a long time, you understand that that's really an important thing. If that's the wise thing to understand that your mate is not exactly like you. I would hate to have married Al Pittman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> How would you like to marry yourself, you know? No, we want to marry someone who's different than us. They enhance us. They bless our lives. And, and sometimes you know, where guys are running out and trying to find a new wife or a new wives are running away from their husbands and all that. And God is saying, I've already given you what you already need. It's that sometimes unbelief blinds us to what God has already given us. But even on a more personal level, that talent, that gift that whatever God has given you, have you yielded to, to the Lord? Maybe in the midst of whatever you're going through, God wants to use that to be a blessing to somebody else. Because there's no better way for you to get healed and to be delivered yourself than to seek to minister to someone else, even in the midst of your trials. Moses, what do you have in your hand? I've got this stick. And the rod of Moses became known as the rod of God. Our deliverance, whatever you're going through tonight, your deliverance is in reach. But we must exercise our faith in order to appropriate the promises of God. I like what Paul said to the, a very carnal group of believers in Corinth. He said to them, because they were arguing about, you know, Apollos uh, and Paul and who were you of and all of that kind of stuff. He said to them, therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Why are you out trying to get something that I've already given to you? And indeed, this woman had what she needed for her deliverance, and yet she was saying, listen, I have nothing in the house. And those times we feel like we have nothing, that's a lie. Why do I say that? How can we be sure of the fact that God has given us all things? Well, because God has placed within us the oil of his presence. You see, you get, you got to focus on this oil. That oil there, it's, it's symbolic And this story is symbolic of the very presence of God. The oil mentioned here is olive oil. It was used for cooking. People use it today for cooking and all that. But it also represented the presence of God in the Old Testament. They would anoint the kings and they would anoint the priest with what? With oil. The oil was representative of of God's approval and his commission in their life and God's blessing in their life. Here's the lesson concerning faith. If we have nothing in our house, We look in ourselves and say, God, there's nothing. I don't have anything. How can God use me? How can God deliver me? There's nothing here. I don't find any hope at all within myself. We've got nothing, Lord, uh, uh, to, to, to really rely on, Lord. I mean, everything is, it seems to be gone from me. There's no deliverance. There's nothing I find within myself. One of the things that we can be assured of is this. And that is that because we are the very temple of God, guess what? There's always a jar of oil. The oil of his presence is always with us. Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. But I will always be with you. 
So when we feel, Lord, like I, I've got nothing, how is this going to work out, Lord? How are you going to do this in my life? You know what? We can always look and find and a fellowship with the Lord because the oil of his presence is always with us. The oil here is representative of the very fact that God is always there even when we feel like we've got nothing. Notice when we talk about faith, faith being the first step. Faith is not only believing, but it's also acting on what we believe. Verse 3, the first part of verse 3, it says, Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Faith requires action. Oh, I believe that, Lord, you can do this. Then, But the prophet says, Now I want you to go. I want you to act on what you believe. Go borrow vessels from everywhere. Now, this required not lukewarm faith, but a faith that was completely and totally dependent upon God. To go out and borrow empty vessels. And then he says, do not borrow just a little, but borrow all that you can. This is, this is absolute faith. This is faith to believe God. She didn't just go find a couple old Coke bottles alongside the road and bring them back and go, okay, God, do something. I mean, she went out with a fervor and her sons went out and they collected these empty vessels. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm sure her neighbors probably thought she was nuts. Knocking on the door saying, hey, I need some empty vessels. Now, he said empty vessels. Now, the neighbors probably had some oil. But he didn't say go to your neighbors, neighbors, neighbors and borrow oil. He said go and get their empty vessels. That takes faith in itself. I'll be, I'd be knocking on the door saying, hey, you got some oil? But he said go get the empty vessels. Well, you know, honey, we got some, we got some oil in here. You get some oil. No, I don't want the oil. Just give me the empties. And he must have looked at her like she was crazy. She's running around there collecting all these empty vessels. And, and they said, what are you doing? You're nuts. I thought the creditor was coming to, to, to take your kids away and all that. What are you doing? And collecting these empty vessels. And by faith, she said, I'm going into the oil business. <laughs> Amen. I'm going into the oil business. Now, there's a great lesson there for us. I mean, come on. You know, if someone knocking on your door and asking you this, you must have thought, she's nuts. What is she doing? Gathering all these empty vessels. You know what she was doing? Here's the analogy here. She was positioning herself for her deliverance. You see, it's more than just saying, well, I believe, okay, God, do something. Okay, Lord, you're going to do something. But it's also acting on our faith. In other words, a lot of times, I've watched Christians many times and have been there myself, if I'm honest, where I have been in a rut and could not get out of that rut by virtue of the fact that I was not exercising my faith. You see, if you want to be blessed tonight, if you want to experience God's deliverance in your life tonight, you have to position yourself to receive what God desires you to have. And sometimes people say, oh, God, do something, but then they don't do anything. They don't exercise their faith. They say, God hasn't done anything. Well, the reality is, are you positioning yourself to be blessed by God? That's what this woman was doing. 
the blessings coming and she said I'm going to position myself to be blessed of the Lord and she went out and she gathered all these empty vessels faith is simply that because it's the essence of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith is positioning oneself to be blessed you see if we act defeated we will be defeated but we have to act in accordance not to our, our own ability but in accordance to God's ability that's faith. My God is going to deliver me. I'm going to position myself. How do we position ourselves to receive the blessing of God? I mean, just really simple. There's some other things, more particular things, that specific things God may have us do. But in particular, we need to remain in fellowship. We need to remain in his word. We need to stay obedient to the Lord and continue in prayer. And when we fail to do that, because that's the first thing the devil doesn't want you to do. He doesn't want you to be in fellowship. It's amazing when people are going through a difficult time with the Lord on the verge of breakthrough. The first thing to go is they can't find the strength to go to church. And they're wondering why nobody is praying for them or no anyone's, someone's not concerned for them. Because they're not in fellowship. No one even knows about what's going on. Why is that always the first thing to go? You know, I feel bad. I run away from God rather than run to God. I take myself out of position to be blessed by the Lord. Or we stop praying or we stop reading the word. The enemy's just trying to get you out of position so that you cannot receive what God desires for you to have. But if we want to be blessed, then we've got to gather some empty vessels. And when you pray and you fellowship and you read the Bible, it doesn't always feel good, does it? It doesn't always feel right. But by faith, we continue to do those things. And in vir- by virtue of doing those things, we are actually gathering empty vessels in, a, in, a, in essence. Trusting that God is going to bless us and he's going to make a way for us. And, and like Job said, Lord, yet though you may slay me, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to continue to keep my focus on you. That's faith. It may seem empty at the time when you're doing it. Reading your Bible. Or coming to church, I didn't feel like coming on Saturday, you know, I don't feel like coming on Sunday or whatever. And it feels empty, it feels like, you know, I don't feel any different or whatever. And, and, and you know, we don't want to go or we don't want to read the word, we're too busy or whatever. But if you will continue to do those things, it's the essence of this woman gathering those empty vessels. Because what? Because God is just setting me up for deliverance. He's setting me up to continue to bless my life. We must first start with faith. And Elijah points her back toward faith. Here's the second thing that we see in this woman's life, because these empty vessels also are a reflection not only of faith, but also brokenness. In verses 3 to 4, the latter part says, uh, Elijah says, I want you to gather empty vessels. He says, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Brokenness is the second thing that I find here in her life. Because these empty vessels, the empty vessels are a metaphor, if you will, for the vessels of our heart of us pouring out ourselves, emptying ourselves, oneself of yourself, so that God can indeed fill you, that you might indeed experience the fullness of his presence. Emptiness is an act of surrender, an act of surrender. Surrender is necessary in order to experience breakthrough. 
Whenever I come to that point where I feel like, Lord, I can't make it or whatever, you know, Lord, I need your help. You know, it's always I always have to come to this place of surrender to say, nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. It's like pouring out yourself. We have to pour ourselves out if we're going to receive the fullness of his presence. It's brokenness. We have to come to a place where we recognize, as John the Baptist did in John chapter three, verse 30, where John said, He must increase and I must decrease. Wow. You see, there's a lot of folks who are trying to be filled with the things of God, but they're so full of themselves that they can't be filled with the fullness of God. And until we're willing to empty ourselves and as truly broken vessels before him, that's a vessel that is emptied out. We cannot receive the fullness of God. I like what, uh, D.L. Moody said, famous preacher D.L. Moody once said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than any other man I know. (laughs) Amen. I have more trouble with Al Pittman than any other man I know. Self is in opposition with the will of God in my life. Our flesh wars against the spirit. God calls us to walk in the spirit, but in order to do so, we must empty ourselves out. Because you will find that it's not the person sitting next to you or your neighbor across the street or the guy on the job or whatever. You and I give ourselves more trouble than anyone else we know. Psalm 51, however, verse 17 says this about brokenness. That the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I'm so glad that the Lord does not shy away from us when he finds that we are broken, when we come to him just as we are. I mean, this woman had nothing to offer to the Lord. She was a completely broken person. What was she going to do? Debate with Elijah when he says, go gather empty vessels and, and make sure they're empty and, and make sure that, you know, that they're poured out and bring these empty vessels. She wasn't going to argue with him. Hey, the creditor is coming to take my sons away. She was a desperate woman and desperate people are willing to pour themselves out that they might be filled with the glory in the presence of God. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. She had come to a place of brokenness. God is looking for empty vessels. Lord, mine's all full, Lord. Look at all the things I've accomplished. He said, I can't use you. Until you're willing to pour that out, I can't fill you. Which brings me to the next point, and that is intimacy. The eye of the FBI, if you will. Intimacy. Verses 5 to 7, so she went from him and she shut the door behind her and her sons and who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. And now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring one, uh, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil and, uh, and pay off your debts and the rest of it. You and your sons live off of it. Why do I say intimacy here? Because listen, in God's economy, In God's kingdom, the important things happen not on a platform, not in a gathering of hundreds and thousands of people. The important stuff in the kingdom of God always happens behind closed doors. 
That's God's economy. Now we, oh, we come together. Oh, and it's great, man. Wow, the crowds and all that. The band's awesome and all that. And all that is good. But the important stuff, if we haven't come to the, that meeting already filled, many times we will leave not filled at all. Because the important things happen behind closed doors in our own, the, the intimacy of our own prayer life and our own de- devotion to God. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6? But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door. Lord, I want everybody to hear me. I want everybody to see me. No, go find a quiet place, shut your door and pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, folks, the analogy here is that the vessels were not filled until she got behind closed doors. When she went behind the closed door, that's where the oil began to flow. And the oil of God's presence in our life begins to flow when we choose to go behind closed doors. When we focus on the intimacy of our relationship with Jesus, that's where we're filled. That's where we're filled. God has shown me that that it's shown me the blessedness of obscurity. Not always being before people are standing on the planet. That's not the highlight. The highlight of my day is when I woke up this morning and I sought him and went and found the Lord in his presence. That's the highlight of my day. The rest of the things that happen throughout the day is all secondary to that very moment. God wants us to have an intimacy with him. That's more important than anything that happens outside. And of course, when we go behind closed doors and God blesses us, he blesses us so that everybody will know it. Does he not? The woman goes out and she's, she's blessed and, and, and uh, her neighbors know that she's blessed. They're looking at her saying, hey, weren't you, your credit is coming? And all of a sudden here she's paid her debts off. You know, I mean, her sons are wearing new tunics and stuff, you know, and, you know, probably sagging or whatever. But they had new tunics and all these things. Are going, and they're going, wow, wait, what happened? I thought you were in debt. I thought you were. She says, no, I'm in the oil business now. All because of a step of faith, her brokenness. And because she went into her own house and closed her own door, what God pours into us privately always overflows publicly. And people know the difference. Many times we get the cart before the horse. and We come out looking for somebody out here to bless us. But the reality is God wants us to be filled first behind closed doors. So that we can be a blessing to other people when we come out in public. That intimacy that we have with the Lord has to be first and foremost. What we do behind closed doors is the most important thing. No man or woman can accomplish this for us. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 9, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Through the intimacy of our prayer lives, we will experience breakthrough. God has promised it. There are three things I want to leave with you quickly tonight before I wrap or end here with a prayer. But I think the number one lesson here that I find in this woman's experience and in her life of her faith and brokenness and intimacy is this is this is one of the lessons. Number one. And that is that our breakthrough is always nearer than we think. Walking back and forth past that jar of oil and all the time the presence of the Lord was there. 
all the time the, the, the oil of his presence is there. That's the, the analogy there for us. And, of course, she was just had the jar of olive oil, and God used that. But in our lives as believers, you know, God has already blessed us. Our, near, our breakthrough is always nearer than we think. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's the second thing. God has already placed within us all that we need. You know, the search can end tonight. God has already placed what within you what you need. He is with us. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, As his divine power has given us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And lastly, here's the last thing I want to leave with you, and that is that Jesus has indeed paid it all. Why do I say that? You say, well, it doesn't say Jesus paid it all within the text. Well, hey, the woman, the analogy is there of a greater lesson that would come at Calvary. The woman was in debt. The creditor was coming. But Jesus Christ as he would illustrate in his life later and demonstrate in his life later, Jesus Christ paid our debt because we were bankrupt in sin. And Christ came and paid our debt in full. The old song says, I owed a debt I could not pay, and he paid a debt that he did not owe. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in the due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.